0: Mm. Very cool, very cool. Alright, well, we're going to jump into some stuff this morning, and uh, yes, um, we are in the narrative lectionary, we are trekking our way along, Um, by the way, next Sunday, if I forget to mention it, uh, we are going to be doing a combined Thanksgiving-style hurrah uh, with the two other congregations upstairs at our normal meeting time, so be prepared for that. If you want to sing the choir again, uh, they're gonna do choir practice on Wednesday, so throwing that out there. There's roads involved, so, anyway. Um, so, yeah, so this week, uh, we are still in the Prophets. Uh, raise your hand if you love the Prophets. Um, like you do, like oh, John, yeah, so anyway. I should have had you preach last week because... Say, uh, uh, anyway. But um, prophets are like the boss, you know. Except not because God's the boss because that's the Bible. Um, but, um, so uh, the, the Nabi, right? Uh, not to begin to use the Navi from Avatar, clearly. But uh, they call the Old Testament, uh, the Hebrew Bible, the Tanakh, right? The Torah, the Navi, and the Ketuvim, right? The first five books, the Torah, the Navi, the, Navin, the prophet, Prophets, and the Ketuvim, the Writings, to knock right and so that's where we get our Hebrew Bible from the freebie doesn't owe me anything for that uh, and uh, so last week we we're in Hosea which we call a minor prophet this week we're in Isaiah different A and uh, and so Hosea lived in the Northern kingdom well Isaiah lived at the same time in the 8th century. B.C. in like the southern kingdom. So they were alive at the same time. Uh, we don't really know how much like they like went bowling together or did anything but like they were there you know and uh, different kingdom in the south. And Isaiah would have uh, lived through and been present for a lot of the uh, basically the exile and witnessed some of the destruction there that, that would have happened in the northern kingdom during his day. And uh, this morning I want to jump into Isaiah chapter 5. Uh, for us this morning. So if you have your Bibles for your handouts, and your handout has legible words uh, in them, I uh, encourage you to follow follow along this morning. Um, you know, it's kind of an interesting text uh, for us uh, this morning, and um, it, it begins it begins, and it's kind of like this love song, right? Actually, even it's love song, and, uh, and and so it's just something to kind of keep in mind as uh, as we're reading this this morning uh, because it begins and you're like, oh, this is kind of pretty and sweet, uh, you know, but then it like turns around verse three and it shifts and you're like, oh, this is like about like social critique, you know, it's like one of those songs, you know what I'm saying? Like uh, there's been a few of those that come out lately. It's like this the whole thing is like a, a social critique or a parable about something else, right? It's kind of like that one Nickelback song, you know what I'm saying? Like... Uh, if everyone cared, you know, if everyone
1: cared, and nobody... You know, that one was so good. We're
0: going to watch that later. Uh, you got to always bring it back you know, to Nickelback. It's always got to come back. Uh, and anyway, so, you know, kinda, what's going on here? So, uh, in this, it, if he really presents us, Isaiah really gives us this clear image. Uh, and I'm going to read through some of this. And if you are a highlighter or a marker or whatever you want to do, feel free to follow along. Some things I'm going to point out says, let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard. Uh, so, by the way, the image, uh, this the image of a vineyard, right? This is about life. This is about lushness, right? Paradise, fruitfulness, joy, right? That's what the, the vineyard is about. Wine, you know? So, this is like the image. Uh, it says, on a very fertile hill... Uh, and so uh, the reason I'm kind of I'm going to sort of drag us through this a little bit because these words are very uh, important. And he's uh, he's making a case uh, right here. It's very it's not just fertile; it's very fertile. And then a hill because if you grow grapes, you know that's how you do it, right? On a hill, right? Because anyway, that's about that's about all I know about that. Uh, and then uh, verse two, he dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it right. With choice vines, it says, but not just like any. Like he didn't go to Home Depot, no, uh, you know, he uh, like picked choice, uh, especially this one, right? Uh, super extra intentional. Goes on to say he he built a watchtower in the midst of it, right? Like you do, and he hewed out a wine vat in it. Right. So he even goes so far to say that he got everything ready for what the vine was to bring him. Right. The product of his work. Uh, right. This next phase of making wine. Right. And so here in just this this first little bit of the song. Right. Uh, I would sing it, but it's in the Hebrew, and it wouldn't make any sense. And anyway, uh, it says that, you know everything that he could have done, what was done here. Right. He, he crossed all his t's. He dotted all his i's. He went down to the county clerk's office and filed the appropriate paperwork, right? Uh, there, was a, there was an Etsy store involved, and uh, you know, the market research was done. There was a Facebook page, right? He was ready to produce some grapes, uh, right? And there's actually this term in the Hebrew that appears three times in this text in verses 2, 4, and 7. It's this Hebrew word, kaba, and it, it means expect, expect. He expected, he did everything, and so he expected uh, grapes. The gardener expected grapes. Uh, because that's kind of how it works, right? Uh, you, you plant something and you get something, right? There are planting seasons and harvesting seasons, right? You plant a radish and you get a radish, right? That's, that's how it works. Uh, so he expected to yield grapes. Uh, but for some reason, what he got. And then you just get some wild grapes, um, and, and I think this translation is actually interesting. You know, uh, other translations just say like sneak berries or uh, rotten fruit or um, sort of diseased fruit or, or something like that. Uh, wild grapes, uh, right? So, at first, uh, in this song, it sounds like Isaiah singing, but then God's like, you know, verse three, he's like, I, I got this, hang on. It says And now, inhabitants of Jerusalem and people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard, right? Uh, by the way, if you haven't caught on yet, vineyard is like us, God's people, Israel, right? What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I expected it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? Um... What, what more could I have done, right? What else could I do, right? What, what else was there to do, right? Everything was in order to have good grapes. And so God is almost like bewildered a little bit, right? There's a little bit like bewilderment uh, here. Like everything was there. All the conditions were right and, and perfect for success, right? A good harvest, a good grapes. But now, uh, why? Wild grapes. By the way, I picked all those grapes in my yard this morning. They were just growing wild, so... Just kidding. i just I do that. They're from Kroger. But, um, you know, it's, it's this is really interesting this morning. Um, you know, I do I do a little bit of gardening. I dabble. Uh, I'm a dabbler. I'm like a pro-dabbler, right? I got one and a half, three thumbs, but, um, you know, I, I struggle with houseplants. Right? Anybody with me on this like house plants uh, when I was growing up two things were not in the home animals and plants right they were outside and uh, you know so it's an adjustment uh, but I'm like why is this why is this plant dying right now and uh, I brought this to share with you guys this morning this is my money tree uh, I was given this for Father's Day last year uh, you're supposed to like legend has it that you're supposed to like put it near anywhere in your house? that has to do with like financial security and like your money and stuff. And and uh, and for me, I don't even know like what part of the house to put it in. You know, like <laughs> where does it go? I don't know. Uh, so uh, anyway, it floats around. It's in the bathroom right now. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, it always has five leaves on a new one. There's a metaphor for that. I can't remember what it is. My money tree. It's doing okay. It's supposed to like grow and like twirl, but uh, but houseplants are like an anomaly for me. Like it, it, like when something is planted outside, you know, nature kind of takes care of it. Like the sun rises and sets. Like that's not that's not on you. Like it rains on a fairly regular basis. That's not on you. Like, but when they're inside the house, right? You gotta like. Depending on the plant, it needs more sun or less sun. It needs a little bit less water, maybe more water. If it's a succulent, you water it like once a month or something. Like no one really knows. And anyway, and so you're like, how do I, why is it dying? I have no idea. Actually, if I turn it, like it's got some scarring here. I'm like, what happened? You know, but it's in the bathroom. So it's like anything happened in there. So, uh, you know, it's probably the kids did something to it. Anyway. You know, I, I, had this, I had this revelation recently, though, about why I struggle with houseplants. This is really good, guys. I realize what the difference is, is that uh, it's potted. Uh, it's potted, right? Look at someone this morning and say, you're potted. You potted. you potted. That was weak sauce. Not your putt you potted. <laughs> Alright? You know what I realized, when you plant... <laughs> some of you are like, uh, You know what I realized, that, that when you plant something outside, it's in the ground, I know, I know, right? <laughs> and it's so good, it's so good. And in the ground, right, if you plant somewhere good, there's like these worms and there's like stuff in the ground. There's all these, this microbiology and it's making good things happen for your plant. But when you put something in a pot, right? When you're in the pot, that's all you got, is what's in the pot, right? This is really good today. I don't know why you guys are like taking this. But um, it's like there's only so much nutrition in the pot. Are you with me? Like at some point in this pot is a finite amount of nutrition. So I can give this plant water, I can give it, put it in a window where there's some light, but at some point I actually have to feed this plant because. It's, it has finite resources as it's planted in a pot. Anyway, that's my revelation. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, you know, recently uh, I think it was last Saturday, I was digging in the garden bed. This is a story, my oldest, six, and we're cleaning out like whatever, we're doing, cleaning out the garden bed, and I was trying to just talk to her about like what soil is and like what good soil is, and, and we're kind of cleaning it out and taking out some of the weeds, and anyway. And uh, I was like, you know, there's, there's, uh, for for us to be healthy, our soil has to be healthy. And uh, of course, like I did this whole speech, and, and then I was like, wait for it, like two minutes later, she's like, wait, what are you turn about? And so I just did it again, and. Uh, you know that, that that if we're going to be healthy, our soil has to be healthy, right? Everything we are, everything we have, everything we consume, right, comes from the ground, from the soil, right? And so, if our soil is not healthy, then our food's not healthy, and then we're not healthy, right? Uh, it's like this is not rocket science, you know, but like sometimes it kind of is, and um, you know. So I'm explaining all that, like. Did you know that, that in just a couple teaspoons of good soil, there's actually more, uh, there's more living things in those couple little teaspoons of good soil than there are people on the planet, right? Like billions of little things, like we don't even yet know how much is going on in this, in this little bit of healthy soil here. Uh, right, and billions. Right, and so one of the things I find most interesting uh, about how it all works for for soil to stay healthy is that good soil actually requires uh, all this other stuff to die. Right, it's like the leaves on the trees fall. Like your your trees go go into dormant and they they shed their leaves and they fall on the ground. And they die and they put this nitrogen back in the soil and it's it's great. Right. Science is now coming out across the board and saying, don't rape your lawns. You know, it's like, stop it, everyone. You know, we can't resist. We have blowers. And anyway, like, this is good for your soil. Um, and also, like, you and I, or um, maybe a better analogy is uh, like animals, <laughs> you know, eat their food. And then when you eat something, something else happens. I don't want to get too graphic for you guys, right? Uh, this thing called like manure happens. Uh, right, that, that then like there's this dying, right? That's then good for the soil, and, and then even the food that we don't eat, right? it kind of gets put out in uh, if you're composting like you should be, like Jesus told you to. Uh, like it, it it becomes good stuff too, right? It goes back into the soil. So all this other stuff isn't is interesting. Like like for this to stay healthy, all this over here has to like go through the process of death so that this can live, right? Short of this, man, I'm telling you, it's almost like, it's almost like God was like, let me put a thumbprint on this whole thing for you, right? Uh, but that's kind of how it works, right? And so, uh, it can be said that, that there comes a point in all of our seasons and all of uh, our work, whatever, maybe we're in right now in our, our own gardens, right? That, that, that things aren't producing and things aren't growing well and that, that it's sort of like coming to an end, right? It's at the end of its life cycle, it's not producing. It's over. Uh, it doesn't have what it needs to live anymore. Its resources have all been gone. Uh, right? Because it's, it's potted. I'm going to jump back to the text this morning. Um, verse 5. Right? This happens. But unexplainably, the only thing being produced here is wild uh, grapes or diseased, rotting grapes. Verse 5. So then, right? Now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge. It shall be devoured. I will break down its wall and it shall be trampled down. And the prophet withholds nothing, right? This language is like, oh gosh, I will make it a waste or an end. It shall not be pruned or hoed. It shall shall be overgrown with briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that no rain uh, will come upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts, is the house of Israel and the people of Judah are his pleasant planting. So essentially, essentially he's like, I'm just going to stop taking care of this vineyard. It is not producing. So I'm just going to step away and I'm just going to stop. For the vineyard of the Lord of the hosts is the house of Israel and the people of Judah are his pleasant planting. So then, uh, this last verse here, this, this uh, love song situation. There's this wordplay. There's almost like this prophetic uh, rhyme that happens, kind of this cadence. Uh, it says, um, we don't get any of this in the English, but it says he expected justice, uh, Mishpah. but only saw bloodshed, mishpach. He expected righteousness, tzedakah, but only heard cries, saaka. Right? In the Hebrew, there's like this. There's this point. Right, that they're making at the end of this, this song about justice and righteousness. He expected, just like he expected those rights, he expected justice but only saw bloodshed. He expected righteousness but only heard cries. Right? The prophet Isaiah is giving us this picture, right, of a God who is mourning the lack of societal justice lived out by her people. Do you catch that? Like the, the soil conditions were right. And just to produce right and just people, so what happened, right? This metaphor actually suggests, right? If you're tracking this, this metaphor here is actually suggesting that the very destiny of human nature is to produce justice and righteousness, right? To produce these just and right communities, right? This, these bodies of, of folks that, that live this way, right? This is like how we're created, right? To produce this stuff. And so it seems to defy imagination when we aren't growing rightness and justice, right? Uh, at least here, right? It's like like, what, what's make, missing? Who's <laughs> missing? Uh, so, thus I will let it go, be washed away, overgrown, unprotected, not pruned, not hoed, ended, right? stumps Stumps of a vineyard, right? Uh, some of you remember uh, last November, it was like November 8th last year, uh, you guys i to talk about say, the, the campfire? Um, uh, there's this um, wildfire that happened in California, Northern California last year. They dubbed it the campfire because it, it started after Camp Creek Road. Um, and uh, It happened in Northern California. There's a faulty electric transmission line that, that uh, took a blaze and, and the fire originated above the several com- communities and this wind, just really drove it through some of these places and just caused utter devastation, right? Uh, I don't know if you remember Paradise, California, uh, just gone, uh, right? And um, it was uh, it was the deadliest and most destructive wildfire in California history and the most expensive natural disaster in the world in 2018 in terms of insured losses. Uh, so this thing was huge, right? And uh, you know, we hear about this kind of stuff as it's happening, uh, like you do. Um, but we don't tend to hear about this stuff later on, you know, a year later. And um, but what's happening right now in Paradise, California is they're they're trying like these people are coming in and they're they're saying like this is our home, like. Imagine all of us and like a fire coming, and then we just like some people left, some people stayed. Like there's there's nowhere to work, there's nowhere to get groceries, uh, there's no school, you know. Like uh, what, what do you do? How do you like utter the starting over, right? Uh, and then there's some folks like let's begin again, let's like pioneer this thing. Uh, but how do you do that, right? Man, like uh, you know, beginning again in situations like this can take like a really really long time. I mean, and I would dare to say that these folks will, might be doing this the rest of their breathing, living days, right? Uh, but when there's a group of folks committed to starting again and, and building and committed to a place, right, a process of healing, right, there's there's hope there. You know, in a lot of ways, uh, Kaleo, like we're in this season of like a new beginning. And I would even venture to say this morning that, that many of you guys are in this sort of season of, of asking, what does it mean to begin again? What does it mean to have new beginnings, uh, right? And, and often we think of new beginnings as, as exciting and lighthearted and uh, like and, and there's elements of that, but sometimes new beginnings like can be really hard, uh, really arduous. Uh, you know, there there are two uh, distinct moments in my life. You know, when I think about uh, these sorts of moments, and probably similar to some of you, uh, is like. Um, you know, I remember. Uh, you know, it's like they, they say across the board, like those first couple years of your marriage are like the toughest thing you'll ever do. You know what I'm saying? And uh, and you know, the honeymoon ends, and it's like, oh, uh, we're still here. Uh, you know, like we're still doing this. Uh, you know, it's like let's go back to Florida. Uh, but um, you know, I remember after I got married, and then again after I found out. That, that we were pregnant with, with story, right? There's this moment of you're like, you're like, oh, oh, you know, yeah. like, we're doing this, uh, you, you know? It's like, this is like, this is like... Forever, uh, you, you know what I'm saying. Like some of you, maybe if you're just not there, like you never, you know. But um, it's like, well, this is this is kind of heavy, you know. There's like there's no like me taking this ring back. There's no like taxi seats here, you know. There's no like returning this child to the store, you know what I'm saying? Like this is like we're in this. This is like forever, and uh, and sort of that that moment, and and then sometimes like. You know, when you're kind of wading into it, like the water gets kind of deep, right? Sometimes it gets kind of hard, and I think, you know, maybe that's part of it, right? That growing new things is hard. Um, all right, back to the soil. Um, you know what? Um, you guys like another agricultural sermon from Caleb, but uh, <laughs> anyway, what uh, what we've had to relearn. What we've had to, or what maybe I have had to relearn, but what farmers have had to relearn uh, is, uh, is tilling, right? And that, that tilling is like really harmful for the ground. And, and so, what they do, they uh, these agro-scientists are, are doing all this work to try to educate farmers and, and say things like: you guys should plant cover crops in these off-seasons uh, so that you're putting these nutrients back in the soil and then they invented this thing called a crop roller it's really cool it's like this big rolling pin with these edges that they put on the front of their tractors and instead of like uh like plowing up your field after uh a um, you, you know at the beginning of your growing season and you planted the cover crop you just, you just get this crop roller you put it on your tractor and you got this stuff going on and you just roll them down and it creates like a mat in your field right and then you actually just plant uh, through the mat and so like you're just driving your tractor and at the, on the front end you're like rolling your cover crop down and that's killing uh, right the, the cover crop and instead of just leaving it there to add nutrition back in the soil and then on the back of the tractor they're just like planting seeds and so they're just driving through you know it's like super cool you're like why have we not been doing this the whole time uh, you know but, but sort of relearned uh, right, that, that how we treat our soil, right, and that, that tilling is a little bit like the devil's playground, you know, and you're like, you're destroying, there's so much life down in there, you're destroying all the little who's down in Whoville uh, that are that are living down there, and uh, and what does it mean uh, to treat the soil differently, right, that the cover crop dies and all that good stuff lays there and adds back to life. This is good stuff happening. I'm trying to end this. Um... I don't think it's any coincidence this morning that a few chapters later in Isaiah chapter 11, uh, Isaiah sings about this crop failure of justice and righteousness of God's people. Uh, and then all of a sudden, there's this new growth. There's this new shoot rising out of this old stump. Chapter 11, verse 1 A shoot shall come out of the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of its roots the spirit of the Lord shall rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and understanding. The spirit of counsel and mind. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor. And decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. And with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist. And faithfulness the belt around his loins. Who are we talking about this morning? Jesus. Jesus. I'm going to wait for the Sunday school answer to this. Jesus. Jesus, right? The new David, the new shoot, right? He comes and he has these expectations of righteousness and justice with him, right? I love this image as a shoot, right? This new growth that, yes, something can still grow here, right? Something good can be produced here. Watch this. Jesus, right? I love that that passage in John 15 where it's like, "I'm the true vine. My Father's the gardener. Abide in me. You want to produce something good? You want good grapes? Abide in me." I wonder this morning if some things have failed for us. I wonder if sometimes um, that thing, that time, that season, it, it it just didn't produce what it was supposed to. I wonder if we as the people of God uh, didn't have to like attempt it all ourselves and and try really hard ourselves and then fail at it before we would be ready to actually do the new thing. You know what I'm saying? Like we would have to like try and squint really hard on our own. Like we we, I wonder if we needed the compost of the old thing so that the new thing could even like be. Um, I wonder if we needed the old thing to pass away so its nutrients could be given for the new thing uh, to live, uh, it's such a Jesus move, you know. Maybe, maybe for us, turn the gym a little bit. Maybe for us this morning, uh, or maybe for you, maybe that's—I don't know, a job, a place in life, a relationship, right? Maybe that thing is you know. I'm not saying God wants to like kill that, you know, but maybe it wasn't producing anything good. Maybe it's a good thing to sort of like. Let that die so that this new thing could live. I mean, it's such a Jesus move, right? Jesus comes to us this morning and reveals us to like the secret recipe of this whole thing death and resurrection, right? Death to resurrection. We need both, right? You must have one to have the other. And so, who here this morning, and I just wonder, is ready to start over? Maybe some of us are ready to begin again. Or to do some hard work of beginning again. To know that, man, I don't know that I've produced many good grapes lately. I don't even know if I got any wild grapes. Uh, You know what I'm saying? Today, may we as the people of God confess uh, that we are potted. All we got is in the pot. And that if anything else is going to bear fruit from here, someone who is outside of this pot, someone who is bigger than this pot, someone who is beyond this pot, has got to pour something into it. Abide in me, right? Abide in me, right? That without Jesus Christ at work within our lives, there's only rotting wild grapes. Right? No nutrition, no justice, no wine, no paradise, California. Right? No grapes here. Right? If all we consume in this whole thing, right? This this whole story, uh, you know, we we constantly are trying to pull out um, all sorts of wrong things to feed the soil. Right? It's like the miracle grow. This is good. We're building. You know, we're we're, like, if we consume junk food, uh, we're just going to produce junk food, right? Uh, disease, right? If we're putting that in our soil, we, we've we got a little bit too much Assyrian Roundup going on in our soil, right? The temporary poisonous fixes, right? Trying to fix all this stuff, right? Um, yeah, what were we putting in? Uh, this morning, um, closing thought, um, maybe throw down some truth that I uh, I don't say often and I've said a couple different times maybe over the years Um, it is not uh, I'll make it personal and then I'll make it collective. it is not my job to feed you it is not the job of anyone up here preaching to feed you it is not the role of the church for us to come together and be fed. And I say this because this is a common uh, fallacy. It's a common thing that, that, that we think of, right? That this is, is not a filling station uh, this morning. Like, we don't gather here this morning to get something to produce good fruit. But if you gather here this morning, and if you've gotten something good, and if you happen to find yourself producing something good, it's because in these conversations and in this moment and in this scripture, right, you have encountered the Christ. Are you with me? There's a difference there, right? Uh, if, if something good is happening, if this something good is producing, it's because we've gotten together like we're supposed to, that we've dug deep, that we're still here, right? Right? Even though the honeymoon, might be over, right? And then we've actually encountered Christ. Are you with me? That there's something that there's something more here, right? The church, yeah, we gather here, we share one another, and we share our needs. And we're not actually maybe here to give, but to give, but in that giving, we also receive, right? We break the bread, we share the cup, we share our stories, and then we pass it to the next person, right? Because that's all part of it this morning. And it's because... We are encountering Christ uh, in this this morning. And so, wrapping up in closing, uh, may I suggest, yet again, I know I've said this before, uh, that, that Jesus would like to save your soil. <laughs> and that there is hope and a new beginning coming up out of this old stuff, right? And that if we can give this this dying thing, whatever that is, uh, to the Christ, well, He can show us. If we can abide in that, if we can abide in Him, He can show us how something new, something full of justice and, and rightness, right, that we can have maybe the nutrient we need there in Christ this morning. Let's pray this morning, and the kids will be back here in a second. And uh, we got some cool other liturgy to close this out. Lord God. Uh, We give you thanks this morning uh, for the plants, for the earth that's before us, that is feeding us, that is giving us nutrition and giving us what we need, God. It is no coincidence, God, that we are earthlings, that we are of the earth and that we ourselves uh, grow from it. Lord, I ask that you would fill us up with what we need to bear fruit ourselves, that, that some things could die and that some things could live. Lord, that we could be prophets of of justice and righteousness. God, that we could learn from our children this morning. Uh, And that your kingdom would come in each of our lives. In your name we pray. Amen.